is if you're not scared of hell on either side, if you're Catholic, you're not scared of hell or Christian or you're neither, and you're not scared of hell, there's an issue with that. You should be. And that's the first step. Like, you know, one of my friends who has no religion, he told me he was scared of hell. And I was like, the best thing I've ever heard from somebody is that they're actually scared of hell. That's amazing. Because I've had some people say, oh, bro, I don't care. I know I'm going to hell. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think you do care. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of PPK. Back with the boys. What's up, fellas? What's up? What's going on? Shout out to Father Peter for joining us last episode. Had a lot of great feedback thus far, so we appreciate you, Father, um, for your priesthood, for uh, sharing your story, and for educating us a little bit on uh, the Eastern aspect of the church and also martyrdom. So we continue to pray for our uh, fellow brothers and sisters who are in the the church martyr category especially those in the middle east continue to pray for uh, lebanon as well so as usual kicking it over to meeks for inspiration what we got going on this episode meeks today as uh, they'll probably be seeing from the title it's about um who's going to heaven and this is a huge uh conversation that needs to be had and i think is kind of popular but maybe not as popular as it should be and i think it's um not coming from a place of fear or responsibility about who goes to heaven but kind of just like yeah, I don't know, you know, it's just kind of whoever goes, you know, whoever wants it or or whoever believes in God or whatever it is. And so, you know, it's a conversation I know me and one of my good friends have um, who's actually Protestant. And um, not that we debate it, but we're both kind of like, hey, here's what I think. Here's what you think. I, I guess we'll find out. Hopefully we know who, who's in heaven at that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I think it's something that, you know, we want to reveal what the church has to say so that people who are like us that are kind of curious or um, can truly know and then hopefully share that and try to live their life according to what the church teaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know there's this thought out there, especially in this kind of modernist mentality that, you know, all you got to do is be a good person, right? I mean, just, you know, be good to people, don't kill anybody, maybe, right? Um, and, you know, do unto others as you would do unto, you know, yourself, have it done to yourself, and that's all that actually counts. And no, I mean, for those of us who are Christian, if we really take Christ at his words, that's really not mm-hmm. the, the the answer. And so the, the concept that you're talking about, Miko, really um, stems from um, the statement the church has made. And when we say the church, we're talking about the Catholic church, right? Um, which everybody was Catholic for 1,500 years, so people need to understand their history. But it's, is there salvation outside of the church? And so there's a, there's a saying in the church, uh, extra ecclesium, nulus salus or something like that so it's like um no salvation outside of the church so sorry my latin's not all that great right there but um but that's essentially what we're we're talking about is is there salvation outside of the church so we're just gonna kind of break it open is good good enough what say you county uh i just think this is a topic that like like people like to talk about but like they pump the brakes really quick because then they like it might result in some sort of like um, eye-opener for yourself like oh shoot i'm not living that life to get to heaven uh so i think it's a a topic that's kind of danced around but you don't like pluck too deep you know Mm because uh i think you can face a harsh reality so i think hopefully if we could shed some light on like what that actually means and like we're building a community we're trying to change the culture to you know this is a reality but not that that's the end all be all what can we do now to strive towards heaven 
because it's not handed to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a big, uh, there's a fallacy out there, um, going back to it, where there's or maybe a misconception of, of what it is actually required, especially as Christians. And I think um, the tiptoeing, the, the niceties, the not wanting to go at things directly, um, when people are asking, you know, we often reference even when Bishop Barron was on Ben Shapiro's show, like, you know, Ben Shapiro, who's a, who is a devout Jew, asked flat out, like, do I got to believe in Jesus, basically, in order to go to heaven? And it's just like, well, you know, Jesus Christ is the privileged way. And it's like, no, Jesus is the way. He says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the problem is, is we're so indoctrinated into being politically correct and that somehow true charity isn't telling you the truth. It's just kind of like sugarcoating it and maybe dancing around it, which is really false charity. And I think that's what we're really trying to uh, embrace and and bring to you today is like truth i mean that's been our goal is how do we um dialogue about this and you may not agree with us and i think that's the part we want to break open today is when we talk about who gets to go to heaven right understand that it's a gift that if christ never never um came to us as the god man that we never would have been reconciled with the heavenly father right that you know our we would have just been separated there was a great chasm since the great fall between heaven and earth and God and us, and it took uh, the infinite God to pay the infinite price of our sin. So there's just trying to understand it, but I wanted to read as we, and we'll, we'll kind of dialogue, I'll open it up to you boys, but read from the Catechism of the Catholic Church for those of you taking notes, paragraph 846. This is where we speak specifically about outside the church there is no salvation. So how are we to understand this affirmation often repeated by the church fathers? So our fellow listeners out there, when we talk about the church fathers, we're going back to um, the designated uh, apostolic church fathers, and we're talking first, second, third, fourth century. That's how close they are to Christ walking on this earth. So it, it means that all salvation comes from Christ the head through the church, which is his body. So first and foremost, it's got to be Christ who's the head of the church. He's the head, and then it comes through the church. So the ordinary way that people are going to come to salvation because we know in first timothy we hear that god wills that all men come to the knowledge salvation and knowledge of truth right he wills that for us he desires that for us but we've got work to do as keanu you'll be speaking to and talking about as well but christ himself is the head the church is the body the ordinary way to salvation is through the church specifically the catholic church and so that's why we have to have this discussion where it's like well what do you mean well christ himself said in the gospels that in order for you who, who believes must be baptized you must repent of your sins and so we would call that the sacraments right um you know jesus says whoever eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood will have eternal life so now we're talking about baptism sacrament of confession reconciliation and holy eucharist sacramentals right or the sacraments not sacramentals but the sacraments of the church so when you think about the ordinary way this is the way that christ himself has established through his church the body in order for us all to come know, to know god yeah and i was i was just thinking as you're reading that like the confusion that has come since like the luther protestant reformation is that i think if you were to ask anyone up to 1500 years you know do you believe that there's no salvation outside the church they're like oh yeah because it was just us, it was just the Catholic Church, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that you believe in like baptismal waters, making yourself new, so part of the divine life, so that you have a part of 
uh, as an adopted child of the divine family, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is after after the 1500s and, and Luther, and now there's, you know, even to present day now, there's 30,000 who kind of believe in, you know, the baptism, mm-hmm. and they may have valid sacrament of baptism, but after that, it, then, then what? Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets kind of tricky is, you know, now we kind of lost the rest. Mm-hmm. And so we have parts of it, and there's this debate now where we can't all have the truth. So then what does that mean? And, and I think that's a question that I think people really need to face is there's a reason why the chaos and the disorder is, has lost a lot of souls, and then we mm-hmm. need to come back to a united church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a couple of things. I think, one, obviously we get to this point of, well, you know, who knows, or everyone has reasonable hope because you kind of got to a point where majority of people weren't living in it out. So then you have to justify the way you're living always in, in your entire philosophy. Mm-hmm. So obviously, and I think there's kind of two parts. There's probably people who are very, um, you know, maybe like the evangelicals that tend to be the most intense of the Christians that are very, uh, maybe it is, hey, unless you're in, in the church, if you're a Jew, maybe they, if, they're, if they're talking to Ben Shapiro, they're saying, nah, bro, you don't got a chance. And then maybe they don't even extend that hand or they don't want to meet that person where they are. And instead it's like, hey, you're, you're outside the church. We're not really messing with you. Mm-hmm. And so that could also drive people away. So I think there's a two part to it to where it's like people aren't living it out. And there's also maybe a lot of sort of um, bad dialogue and bad um, sort of reach on the Christian side, maybe, maybe on the more extreme Christian side. So you have both of them. They're like, okay, well, if, if this guy's supposed to be your your version of what a virtuous person is, then I don't want to have to do with whatever that side of heaven is. So I think you have two different parts. But I think there comes a point when, as Christians, we have to like take the word for what it is. Like, mm-hmm. what does Jesus say time and time again? You know, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more. But you know, not all those who call me Lord, Lord, will enter the gates of heaven. All these kind of things that he says, it's like he's pointing pretty directly that this is going to be tough. And so we like to imagine and think like, you know, when I talk to my friend, a lot of my friends, like we always, uh, we always talk about growing up and I went to public school. I didn't really, I didn't have Catholic friends in high school. And would I like to believe that a lot of those guys are good guys and they're going to go to heaven? Yes. But is that the reality of it? No. Is it the reality that I would go to heaven at the point that I am? No, it's not the reality either. Even though I'm a good guy and they probably consider me a really good guy because I have faith. And so I think like we have to, at some point have to like actually start taking serious what he's saying. Cause it's like, mm-hmm. It's not, he's not saying it once. Jesus says it like 400 times. Like, okay, this is not easy. Does everyone copy? Like, this is not supposed to be easy. You know, the road is, uh, it's few or whatever. You know, the road is few and whatever, all this kind of stuff that he says. It's just like, we have to at some point start taking that seriously for what it is and understanding like, okay, if that means that we have to be convicted of this truth and then start living it out and stop doing this whole reason. Oh, well, you know, everyone just cause I had to find their own way, but where is that in the Bible as Christians? You know, that's what we had to understand, but where is that part in the Bible of finding your own way? It's not there. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're going to have to also bring up, I'm sure we could dive more into this later, but you know, there's a question of outside the church. And I think that's a whole different story, but for us specifically right now, and what I'm, referring to for christians is like we got to start taking that seriously mm-hmm. and it can't be this whole well catholic catholicism is your way and this is that way no that's not what it says though there's no your way in here it's his way so we have to find out what his way is and then we're gonna you know we're gonna go to uh heaven that way mm-hmm. yeah i think there's a misconception of the whole like well god loves you god loves you and that which is true but it's what our response to his love is he still gives us free will and Going back to what Meek said, you know, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. And he says, you know, depart from me, evildoer, for I do not know you. He didn't say, I do not love you. He said, I don't know you. 
So it means is that I, di- I didn't know what, what you did. It wasn't my will. You did good things, but it was for your sake. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of people are saying, well, I'm a good person. I'm do- okay. That's nice. But did you do what he willed? Because he has a specific call for each and every one of us. And if we didn't do his will, if we didn't do everything to glorify him, then he's going to say, well, you did these good things, but I don't know you. And I think that's really important is when we're talking about who's going to heaven, it's like, do you know him? And a lot of the doctors of the church that I've been trying to read and be more familiar with talk about the idea of the the perfect balance between self-knowledge and knowledge of God. And I think there's just divide between, you know, there's a lot of one side or maybe a lot in the other. Like, I feel like there's Protestants who claim this, it's almost like a false knowledge of God. Like, oh, he's all love or he, he sees you where you're at and just, you know, just be a good person. And everyone who, who proclaims the faith is saved. And it's like, okay, but we also have to respond to his love. And there's this idea of self-knowledge too. And what the doctors of the church say is that self-knowledge is not only the knowledge of your, the dignity of each and every human person and the uh, dignity that we're called to, and, but there's also the idea that our, we are sinful human beings. We're broken creatures in need of a savior. That's also self-knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I think there's people who either completely lack self-knowledge, I don't care, and I'm just going to do what I want, whatever's pleasurable, right? Whatever's right in front of me. Or there's people who are so consumed with their sin and they have no knowledge of the savior that they're brought to despair. Mm-hmm. And so I think what the Catholic Church does, which is so beautiful, is it completely ties in this um, perfect relationship between the knowledge of yourself and your brokenness, your need for a savior, what you're called to, and the knowledge of God, who is that God of love, who does meet you where you are, but calls you outside of yourself. And I think there's, we often stop at certain points because it's a hard reality. He does love you, okay? He, He does meet you where you are, but he doesn't meet you where you are and just hang out at that spot. Mm-hmm. he's saying no no no. let's move forward be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect i think that's a part we often miss like your life will have to be changed if you want to get to heaven mm-hmm. or else he will say i do not know you mm-hmm. yeah uh you, you bring up a good point when we when we think about um growing in holiness and virtue which we talk a lot about right the first saint thomas aquinas would say the first step towards holiness is self-knowledge mm-hmm. and the first step towards self-knowledge is humility mm-hmm. and i think a big part of this is you have to be a few things um first intellectually honest and humble and spiritually honest and humble and i think i think you alluded to this county uh, when you first kicked it off is that and actually Mick, you even brought it up as well where um and the catechism talks about this where knowing that there is a church that salvation comes through and then choosing not to do anything about it knowing about this guy named jesus christ this god man who offers us reconciliation to the heavenly father a way to heaven because there's only heaven or hell and it's a choice you get to go to one or the other and so when you know that when you have that knowledge that there's a truth out there and you decide that i'm not gonna you know what i'm really comfortable where i'm at i'm comfortable in my sin um i you know i'm not really looking for any behavioral change um i don't need anybody trying to dictate to me uh, how I need to live my life morally or otherwise, that that in and of itself is a choice and a refusal to enter into salvation, right? And I want to make sure we're clear just from a, a, a theological perspective is we're not saying that any of us can merit heaven, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
there's a there's a balance between faith and works in that sense but we we didn't do anything to merit heaven christ did that mm-hmm. right and um and i think uh, you know i just recently sp- spoke to a convert um who was a staunch fundamental uh protestant and he was talking about um this mentality that certain protestants have including when he was one that um jesus did the work so you don't have to that's just a mentality and he was bringing up uh you know we're, we're around the same age and he was bringing up because remember that commercial um with the bubbles the scrub you know and it was this, this animated commercial where you sprayed this spray on you know your bathtub and all these little bubbles would scrub it right mm-hmm. and the, the the kind of captain bubble um would go down the drain and right before he went down the drain is we do the work so you don't have to right and he goes that's kind of the mentality that protestants take he took and protestants take is that guess what jesus did the work so you don't have to mm-hmm. so all you have to do is just you know that confess in your heart you know believe do you accept jesus christ your lord and savior and that's all you got to do doesn't matter if you go on i mean you know and and sin monday through saturday you know if you just profess it with your mouth you're good mm-hmm. and i think that's a that's a that's a misunderstanding a gross misunderstanding and is really um, what's led a lot of people. I mean, really, it's, it's heretical and leads you to uh, uh, to damnation, really. Yeah, and I think, kind of going off your point, you, we can't merit. I don't think in Catholic, there's no teaching that says we merit it, we earn it. Mm-hmm. But you can lose it. Yep. And I think that's something that we often miss. Yeah, you can't, we're not over here earning it. And I think what the doctors of the church have talked about is grace always comes first. It's always God's pouring out his graces because he does will for us to get to heaven. Mm-hmm. However, it's up to us in our own free will to choose to participate in that grace in our daily life. Mm-hmm. And that's looked out through our actions. Lord, if I love you, I will follow your commands. Right? He even says that. Mm-hmm. Like, Peter, do you love me? Right? Mm-hmm. And he's asking all of us, like the greatest commandment is to do the will of the Father and to love one another. And so that's, that's, he's asking us to do something. Mm -hmm. He didn't just say the greatest commandment is just to believe in me, right? Like he's asking us to change, to do something. So although we can't merit it, we can lose that. And I think we need to just kind of keep that in mind throughout the day is, you know, if, if I'm trying to grow in my relationship with God, what are you doing to do his will? What are you trying to, not only are you trying to get to know him, but are you trying to live out that call? Now that I do know what he's, what his call is for me. Now that I know that I'm created for more. What am I doing to show that? Because you could lose that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if I get a venture out into the our non-Catholic Catholic friends or even not the Protestants, you know, we could stop beating on the Protestants for a little bit. <laughs> um, and we could, uh, I, you know, it's hard because I've had conversations with people and, you know, I have a good friend who's agnostic and he says, you know, he's agnostic and, well, I, I don't know. There could be something out there and it could not be, which is cool. Okay, whatever. You're curious guy. Didn't, he didn't have any faith bringing it up. But to me, unfortunately, it's not good enough to say that and then just chill out. But if you do say, okay, let me read. I'm going to read. I'm going to find this out. I'm going to see all I can. And at the same time, I'm going to pursue the best life that I can. Because at the end of the day, we have an intellect and we have reason. So that means we can, I mean, I don't know if we can reason our way the way Plato and Aristotle did. I don't think anyone can. But you still can reason yourself, especially in today's age with all you have, to Okay, there's at least a more virtue life, virtuous life, and then there's the kind of the other life. I think that's pretty reasonable for us to say, like, you have a conscience and we believe that you have a conscience and then it'd be kind of heretical to say you don't have a conscience and to listen to that conscience and do that as much as you possibly can and to practice good habits. And I think there's habits that can be sought out and um, justified without the church is kind of enforced. Like, you don't have to read verbatim what the church says. I think you could kind of 
justify your own reasons why these things are good. And that's what I've always tried to do without my, with Catholic beliefs is like, how can I reason it myself without having to say, you know what, they believe it, I believe it. I want to be able to reason it and say, okay, I now I can see where they're looking from and I can live this out better kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the, the key thing with people who aren't believers or aren't in the church, especially the Catholic church, or I guess Christians at all, is that like, it's one thing to say, you don't know, no, and you aren't raised in a certain way. And it's another thing to say, I was actually pursuing this and man, I fought hard, but I, I just didn't find myself at the Catholic church. You know, not everyone's gonna be able to just sit and say, okay, I, at first I'm reading whatever, the American Founding Fathers, and then I made my way to Scott Hahn and Augustine. Like it's, it's a hard thing to do. You know, maybe it is Sam Harris for you to start out, but that that hunger for knowledge has to go somewhere and that pursuit of your everyday life, you have to have that responsibility to live out that and live out virtue because like we said, we have we believe we have conscience and that conscience guides you into basically living a virtuous life because we have to listen to that as well mm -hmm. as, as Catholics, as Christians. And I think not to um, dismiss the, obviously the weight that we carry because we carry way more weight not only being Catholics and knowing and being brought up in the faith, but now being on a podcast and being teachers. I think I was watching, uh, or I was listening to Taylor Marshall, and I think he was saying, him and someone else were saying that James was writing about, like, don't be a teacher, because if you're a teacher, it's like, it's kind of bad for you. Like, you're going to have to really carry that weight if you want to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And and that's true. So we have to carry that weight as well. And we can't just sit and act like, and read scripture verses and act like we're all fine and dandy and then behind the scenes not live out that life. And we understand that. So I think it's the same thing. It's, it's driven on your actions. So you can't say, we can't say, hey, I know the truth. I know the Catholicism, the truth. Therefore, I'm good. Just like the people outside the church can't say, well, I don't know, man. I wasn't brought up. Like, I, I'm just trying to be a good guy. Mm -hmm. So I think it goes both ways in the fact that, like, no, no one's good on that. Like, you got to be working every day. And, I mean, like I said before, that's, you just look at the Bible. There's not one part where it says, like, most people will go or, like, hey, just, you know, try to stay away from murder and you should be straight. It doesn't say that at all. It's very specific on you need to be doing this. Mm -hmm. You need to be baptized. You need to eat my flesh. You need to do all these things. And so it's like, I think there's two parts that, you know, like I said before, people can be maybe driven away by the extreme ultra conservative kind of Christians that maybe will shut people away and say, well, you're outside the church, you know, get away from me, heathen. And then there's a point of saying like, dude, no, uh, love and in truth. It's about saying like, that's why we proclaim the gospel. That's why we spread the message to say like, yo, I don't think that you're going along the right path. And I believe that there's heaven. I'm sure you probably do too. So in order for you to do that, like you got to step up. You got to be more than this that you're doing right now. That's what love is. It's not saying like, it's not shoving them out the way, nor is it saying, hey, bro, you're good where you're at. Just don't murder anybody. I'll see you in heaven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a couple points there. Because um, what you're speaking to, Mika, when we talk about somebody living according to their conscience is what the church would call invincible ignorance. And just reading from, again, the catechism. So it says this affirmation, the affirmation of saying no, no salvation outside the church is not aimed at those who through no fault of their own do not know Christ and his church. And so this one here, quoting um, a Vatican document called Lumen Gentium, um, Light to the Nations. Those who through the, no fault of their own do not know the gospel of Christ or his church, but who nevertheless seek God with a sincere heart and moved by grace, try in their actions to do his will as they know it through the dictates of their conscience. Those two may achieve eternal salvation. So what does that mean? In the sense where you couldn't encounter Jesus Christ, the church, the Catholic church, um, you never received the gospel. You never understood what even what the kerygma was. But you lived according to the, the natural law of God written in your heart. And that you try to say, you know what, I'm going to treat people with respect. I'm going to, uh, you know, 
live just justly, meaning I'm going to give everybody what's due them. Um, I'm going to live according to my conscience, assuming it's well formed and it's not, um, you know, uh, darkened in that sense of just being, you know, living according to my passions. That person, too, can achieve eternal salvation. And so that's what we're saying, too, is it, it is a, a specific statement, but that's how Jesus was. I, you know, if you think about this in going back to the Christian piece, I mean, we talked about this in Belief in God about Jordan Peterson. To call yourself a Christian comes with a heavy weight, right? You know, anybody who comes to me without hating his mother and father, his, you know, his children, so on and so forth, Jesus says, is not fit to follow me, right? You're either with me or against me. Jesus was very much divisive in that sense. Matter of fact, when he talked to the woman, when he was talking to the Sumerian woman, he says, you worship that which you do not know. We worship what we do know. Salvation comes from the Jews. So fill that in today. And that's scripture. That's Jesus talking now. It ain't me saying that. that's Jesus talking. Today, Jesus would say salvation comes to the Catholic Church. So the same conversation. But what would you say about them? Him? Oh, wow. That was Jesus being extreme to the Sumerian woman. Mm-hmm. No. And in Matthew 18, this is go further if we want to get a little scripture at it. Right. Let's talk about the sacred word of God, which is divinely inspired. Jesus says, well, we just heard this in the daily readings. Matthew 18, he says, if you've got an offense against your brother, go to your brother privately. Right. Work it out. He doesn't listen to you. What do you do? Bring two or three others to go with you so we can have a verified witness. If he doesn't listen to you, even with those two or three, tell it to the church. And then if he still doesn't listen to the church, treat him like a Gentile and a tax collector. Done. So if you think about this from Jesus' own mouth, he's saying, take it to your brother, true charity, in private. We're not airing it out on Instagram or Twitter, wherever you got going on, right? Then we bring brothers with us, faithful brothers, so we can get a faithful witness. And then guess what? We go to the church. So what did you do back then in Matthew 18? Right? Do we just go, church, church, who's church? Do we just yell for the church? Church, we're going to tell it to the church. Church is an, is, is an institution, a divine institution of trust in a man. That's what we were talking about. Why, why be Catholic? Mm-hmm. So if you think about that coming from Jesus' own mouth, this is why we're so passionate and convicted about it. It's because we're saying, hey, brother, sister, come to the church. Come to know the salvation of Christ because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. That there is a better way of living your life, but you got to come to this knowledge of truth and salvation, which is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we have to, you know, quit him hawing around and tiptoeing around. And it's like, no. So if you disagree with us out there, you're like, no, nah, man, I don't disagree. Guess what? At least you're paying attention. At least you're, you're, you're let, wrestle with that for a little bit. But ask yourself, because that's the thing. And I, I you know, I quote St. Augustine on this one. The truth is like a lion. You don't got to defend it. Just let it loose and it'll defend itself. The minute truth lands in your lap, like it just did, and you decide to just drop it or leave it alone or wrestle with it, that's on you. Mm-hmm. Right? It's on nobody else. And at that point, like Miko's been saying and Keone's saying, is now all of a sudden you're confronted with the truth. You have a choice to make. And even no choice is a choice. And I think that's what we're trying to say is, if you're not thinking about heaven and hell, and boy, the devil loves you to make you think there is no such thing as heaven or hell. Just do you, man. Live your life. You're just going to be earthworm food. But here's the thing, is if we're wrong and you're right about being earthworm food, all we did is live a virtuous life. We lived according to our conscience and we just we did the best we can. We contributed to society. But if you're wrong, that's an easy, so we just go into the ground and we just biodegradable, bro. We're done, right? But if you're wrong, that's eternal damnation. That's a separation from God. And God um, doesn't, doesn't force that on anybody. Yeah, I was just 
going back to what you're reading is those people who've never experienced Jesus, never been exposed to the church. And that could be some of our listeners. Like this is like the only, the first time they're really being exposed to the littlest, um, to the littlest degree, you know, but it says first you're moved by grace, trying to do the will of God, Mm. you know? So God gives us the grace, whether you've never heard of Jesus in your life, he still gives you grace in order to know him in some form, mm-hmm. to live a virtuous life, to follow your conscience. There's enough grace there. Obviously, he wants you to reach full union in the church, but there is enough grace, but it's still up to you to try to do his will. I think people get it twisted that because we're given this grace that now, now we're just puppets moving through his grace. Like, no, we have to make a choice because just like in any relationship, I can't force my future spouse to do something virtuous. Mm. You can't. That's not love. Right telling them what to do and commanding them. That's not love. And how much more for Jesus, who's the, the truest gentleman who just knocks and waits. And that's that grace where he whispers in our ear throughout our day-to-day, throughout our relationships, he whispers in our ear and kind of invites us. But he never bangs through the door and barges through and say, love me. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, we have to make that choice. Mm-hmm. And so now we're, we're faced with death and we meet him at the gate. Do we know him or not? Did we answer that door and talk to him face to face? Did we say, Lord, I was trying to do your will or not? And that's just a reality. Do we have the grace? Does everyone have the grace that is sufficient to become a saint? Yes. But unfortunately, so many people ignore it and they're after their own pursuits or they're just caught up in pride or they have this lie that I'll get to it later. Mm. And and we just get caught up in that and we believe the devil's lie. And then it's it, we're, now it's just too hard. We're too ingrained in what we're doing to when we are faced with that grace. We're so blinded and deafened and separated from him that it, it's, it makes it so much more difficult to respond to him. Yeah. And that's, I mean, what do we talk about all the time on this, on this podcast is where has self accountability gone mm-hmm. in every aspect of our, of our life. And I mean, that goes, you know, super deep and we can get philosophical about it, but really it's just like, that's what we're missing. And that's what, that's what's really missing in the world is like, how far does being a good person go? Just, you know, it's something we got to think about. And it's like, how far does thinking that you're doing good and maybe you're, you're standing up for something that you think is great and, and virtuous and Christian, yet you're not aware of the undertone or, or the devil being played in those things that are uh, this movement attacking the nuclear cell of the, of the whole society. Like, what, what is, so what happens then? Do we just still get a free pass? Mm-hmm. Like, how, how many free passes did we get to get in order to, well, I didn't know about that. I didn't know about that. Well, someone's got to know. And so for us, like, that's why we are constantly checking ourselves. And that's why you got to be read. If you read someone else and you're influenced by that guy, read who read, who he was reading and read who influenced him. Because you have to be, there's no other way to move further unless we start being accountable for our own actions and saying like, dude, we can't just keep getting free passes. I'm sorry. You can't just be a good person. It doesn't work that way. Right. Because your version of being a good person could be different from his version of being a good person. Because I'm sorry, in the Middle East, it's a lot different. Their, their version of virtue is a lot different than our version of virtue. So where's the self-accountability at? Are we mm-hmm. just all going to be able to have our own virtue? Because, you know, it's like there's, there's, there's this like kind of good and bad of each society that we want to play. At, at one point, you know, when we thought slavery was okay. So there's got to be some sort of like, I don't know, like absolute truth. It might be a crazy concept. But now we can all of a sudden all agree on one truth that slavery is bad. Except if you're in some of these other areas where it's still going on. So it's like... At some point, we're going to have to say, like, you can't keep getting a free pass on these things. Mm-hmm. We don't get a free pass, and we don't expect a free pass, and I know that stuff. Every day I wake up, I'm like, dude, why am I still doing this podcast? Because I know I'm about to get just demolished when I go to the gates for <laughs> things that I've done. And it's just like, 
that's the biggest thing. And then also the second part to that is as I kind of look at some of my friends and stuff and understand like, dude, I hope it's not too late for some of these guys that I've known that they're divorced and then they want to talk to me about, about faith because they remember yeah. 10 years ago when we had that conversation. And so for me, I think two things I'm trying to work on. I've never been one to really try to like have talk. Like Keone's really good at trying to, you know, preach his faith and try to share people. I've never been really good at that, honestly. And I've always been like, you know what? If they come to me, I'll say something. But other than that, I'm, I'm just going to leave it alone. And something I realized, like, dude, if I really did care, if these guys were really my friends, one, I'd be praying for them for their conversion, which I don't do a good enough job of, of praying for actually people that I know and stuff like that. You know, I always thought of prayer as like this kind of thing between me and God. And how can I be a better person instead of saying, like, we'll look at the road around you. These people need help. This person needs help. Once you start praying and fasting for these people, that's something I'm trying to work on. And two is actually sharing like, yo, dude, like this might be kind of tough, but I think if you keep living the way you're living, like, I don't know if it's going to be good for you. And I'm praying for you and I'm hoping that you don't. And that's the hardest thing to do. And something that, you know, if, as, if we're talking about this heaven thing, I think that's maybe the most important thing for us to take away. Not only the self-accountability, which I think is the most important thing for everyone to take away from, but maybe us practicing Catholics, those people get it. My boy Colin is about like praying for those people and having those tough uh, conversations. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's that's excellent. And I think we don't want to we don't want to miss that point, right? That um, while we're here on this side of heaven on earth um, or hell for that matter, you know, it's we have souls attached to us. And I think the the more we grow in truth, I mean, it is it is a scary um, notion that because we're on this podcast, Priest, Prophet, King, because we're basically outspoken Catholics and we, we call ourselves disciples of Christ, that there's a huge millstone around our neck, you know, um, that if we lead others, right, um, Jesus tells us in the gospel, you know, again, I go to our Lord's mouth, right? He says, you know, temptation will come to many, sin will come, temptation of sin will come to many, but woe to him by which they come. So what does that mean? That means all of y'all out here who are watching this, maybe this can be the last episode you guys watch because you're like, man, I'm tired of hey, listening to truth from you guys, and now I'm going to be accountable because it's true. See, the thing about it is you don't got to worry about Keone, Miko, and John at the end of your life. You got to worry about Christ himself, who's going to say, I know you heard this. I know it was on your heart. I know you knew what you were doing was bad. But you kind of just went along to get along and, hey, get the world. You just rationalize. But do you know how many souls were attached to you? I have that in my own life. I'm a revert. Right. That means that I got, you know, I got some stuff I got to make reparation for. That's why I go hard now. So that way, hopefully at the end of my life, uh, Christ is merciful. He's already been merciful to me. So all of this stuff we're talking about is really comes down to your encounter with God. That's all we're trying to do is we're trying to, to present to you, propose a better way of living. Because God has a plan for you. He's designed you for a specific purpose. Um, even though we're living in some crazy times, we were born in this age for a reason. And that we have a chapter that we're writing in God's story of divine love that only we can write. And if you don't write that chapter, it's just an empty page, man, in God's book of love. Right? So we want to get a little philosophical, a little emotional there. Is, yeah, God is love and he desires for your love, but love is sacrificial. It's self-gift. And I think that's the point what we're trying to say is we're not going to dodge this conversation. We're not going to avoid this conversation because quite honestly, we will your salvation. We want you to know the beautiful gift of God's love and mercy. Right? I mean, that's really what we're about. Any last parting words before we uh, kick it over to Meeks for the end? Uh, just the last thing is just this idea in the culture, and I just urge everyone listening to spot it out when you see it, this idea of tolerance mm. that has led so many people astray, and it's a lie, and we like to put it on God as though he's just ever so tolerant 
um, father. Mm. And just think of anyone who's a parent or anyone who has like a, a, a someone they care about deeply. Love is not about tolerance. If I if I, you truly loved your son and you saw him ruining his life, would you just watch him in the name of tolerance? No, you would call him to something greater. You would show him the way mm-hmm. because you actually love him. You don't want him to to get hurt. You don't want him to lose his life. You don't want him to risk or be in danger. And I think God constantly calls us to something because he's, this is why the church has rules. This is why the church has teachings because he doesn't want us to hurt ourselves. Mm-hmm. because we're so, like I said at the very beginning, self-knowledge, we're sinners and we're tempted all the time. And he's trying to protect us from that. And that's why it's constantly when you're trying to do his will, you're called to live something other than yourself. You're, you're called to live something greater. So this, this idea of, of tolerance is such a lie um, and so just, just striving to do the actual will of God, and that's going to that's gonna be hard, and it's going to cause some life change, but it's also going to hopefully inspire you to uh, ha- to call someone else out, mm. you know, out of actual love. And this is how you build an actual church. This is how you build the community that we're trying to build. You call someone else out out of love, not to insult them, but because you actually love them and you want something greater for them. So I just hope we can, you know, continue to kind of build that community where you know all our listeners you know go tell someone in your circle that you love that you actually care about how are they living their life how can you Mm -hmm. help them and i think that's when you really start to spread that message that's the real ones really Mm -hmm. right when we think about the real ones and our real friends and i think jesus said what you know you've you've heard it said an eye for an eye right and he's saying i say love your neighbor right he didn't say tolerate your neighbor he said love love your neighbor and pray, pray for those who persecute you and I think those are the key words from our Lord that really call us to a higher form of love, right. which is so far beyond this emotional, self-serving, really lust that's out there. Yeah, and uh, just two things. I think first one is if you're not scared of hell on um, either side, if you're Catholic, you're not scared of hell or Christian or you're neither, and you're not scared of hell, there's an issue with that. You should be. And that's the first step. Like, you know, one of my friends who has no religion, he told me he was scared of hell. And I was like, the best thing I've ever heard from somebody that they're actually scared of hell. That's amazing. Because I've had some people say, oh, bro, I don't care. I know I'm going to hell. I don't know. <laughs> I think you do care. Okay? <laughs> don't think you need those. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and you know, the second thing that you should be scared of is probably not subscribing, <laughs> liking, commenting. Right? The second thing you should be scared of and uh, not following on Instagram at priest.prof.king. So, uh, yeah, you can take that away, Pops. Yeah, we just uh, we encourage you to continue to like, comment, subscribe, share with everybody you know. Help us can build this possibility. If this is doing something in your life, blessing you, help bless other people. So we thank you again for listening to us, for letting us open our hearts to open your heart for the love of God. So until next time, we invite you to get holy or die trying. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>